chapter four of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain the stranger in the shadow madeline parted from the others in the music-room they went their way and she hers and then something happened which would have been wholly ludicrous had it not been to her so nearly akin to tragedy she could not make out which her way was in what was supposed to be her own home she lost herself she went down corridor after corridor turned corner after corner looked at door after door which led into the room which she had quitted she had not the faintest notion one or two doors she opened only to close them hastily on discovering that they certainly were not the entrances to the apartment which was presumed to be her own at last a maid appeared madeline leaned against the wall she stopped her will you will you help me to my room i'm feeling faint it was a lie and madeline felt unspeakably ashamed of herself for being compelled to utter it the girl stared at her in evident surprise madeline remembering what had been said about miss dorincourt not being subject to fits of faintness understood the cause of her amazement shall i send someone to you miss thank you it is nothing if you'll help me to my room the girl helped her willingly enough offering her arm for the supposed invalid to lean upon it was well that madeline had appealed for her assistance she had been looking at one end of the building while it turned out that the room she sought was at the other so soon as she was safe inside and the maid was gone she sank into a chair feeling genuinely overcome but she was only quiescent for a moment the next she had sprung to her feet all agog with excitement the memory of the scenes which she had recently gone through flamed in her brain i will go i will i will not stop another hour in the place better typewriting better mrs griffith's injustice better the workhouse or starvation better anything than this why what i've been doing's criminal i've no more right to be where i am than the burglar who enters through the window to think i should have sunk to wearing another woman's clothes like some dishonest servant girl and to pretending i am her although she was alone she put up her hands to veil her face in the passion of her shame and that man how he spoke to me how easily he found out the imposture as of course he would do as he could not help but do what is there about me that i could delude any one into supposing that i was a relation of earls and countesses glee i'd better while still i have the chance at once he's not the sort to show mercy to me or to any one for all i know the tale's all over the house already and the police have been sent for to hale me off to jail let them come if they do come 
and find me here they shall at least not find me in another's clothing i will at least stand confessed in the rags which are my own with eager hands she began to unfasten the dress then she stopped to finger the material what a beautiful gown how lovely it must be always to be able to wear such clothes always to be clad in silks and satins and the softest of soft raiment it is the clothing makes the woman why in such things as these i'm positively prepossessing she drew aside the curtain from before the mirror in the wall vain who wouldn't be vain in such attire is it immortal not to feel oneself above the common herd never in my life has my entire wardrobe at any one time been worth a five-pound note and now i wonder how many pounds i'm wearing now another woman's pounds she searched for and found the spring which caused the mirror to revolve and was confronted by her counterfeit presentment it's wonderful marvellous as mrs singleton says it's one of god's own miracles if it were not for my capacity to pinch myself i should be at a loss to know which was her and which was me she was born to be fortune's favourite and i well i hope that i was at least born to be an honest woman so i'll off with miss dorincourt's gorgeous apparel and i'll return if the police will let me to virtue poverty and heaven knows to peace of mind and to you miss dorincourt so unlike and yet so like myself i'll say good-bye she touched the spring the portrait vanished the curtain returned to its place she recommenced the process of unrobing hardly had she done so than the door opened and mrs singleton appeared the old lady at once perceived what it was that she was doing what is the matter with you child nothing is the matter with me mrs singleton only i'm going home home what has happened everything has happened have you been found out i have by the countess i've no particular reason to suppose that she discovered the imposture not by the earl not by the earl but by the gentleman with the big blue eyes mrs singleton gave what seemed to be a sigh of relief that's mr reginald fanshawe his lordship's brother i was afraid of him i ought to have warned you he's a dangerous man as sharp as a razor and at the bottom of all the mischief that is doing he hates miss maud nothing would please him better than to see her robbed of her birthright i believe he would give a good round sum to have her at the bottom of the sea but how did he find you out that is more than i can tell you so far as i can make out it was by my hand your hand which one this the left one madeline held her left hand out in front of her mrs singleton peered at it anxiously through her glasses why of course it's the ring that's missing what a fool i've been i might have done something to supply its place or warned you to keep it out of sight what do you mean by it's the ring that's missing her mother's ring mrs dorincourt's hand was smaller than yours or than miss maud's and quite as beautiful 
i think ladies hands were smaller when i was young miss barb began to wear her mother's ring when she was quite a little girl on the third finger of the left hand she wears it still although her hand has grown so that it has become embedded in the flesh you would have to file it in two to get it off i suppose that mr reginald looked at your hand and saw that it was missing he did he stared at it as if it were some wondrous thing by it i was discovered so you see that now i have no option but to take myself away my dear i hope you will do nothing of the kind nobody cares for mr reginald except his mother i doubt if he has a friend in the house i know him better than you do he is no more capable of going and telling them right out what it is he has discovered than he is of flying he will keep his knowledge to himself and try to use it for purposes of his own if you suppose me incapable of throwing dust in his eyes you give me less credit than i deserve i am afraid mrs singleton that in any case i shall be unable to assist you in what you call throwing dust into mr reginald fanshawe's eyes i would not go through again what i have gone through in that music-room for a great deal of money i did not know to whom i was talking i had not the faintest notion how to address them or what to say every word which was spoken to me was an added torture i felt all the time that i was standing on the thinnest of thin ice which at any moment might break and cause me to be engulfed in the deep waters for ever and for aye no thank you mrs singleton i have acted so far against my better judgment against every principle of honour and integrity by which i have endeavoured to rule my life now indeed you must let me go but my dear it will do you no harm to stay the night it will do me harm to stay another hour listen to me do not be so rash it is you who are rash don't you perceive the discovery which you are momentarily risking and how serious the consequences of such a discovery would be there will be no discovery i am sure of it i am certain besides better run the risk of that than of something infinitely worse now listen to me and be patient with me child my husband has reason to believe that he has scent of miss maud's whereabouts be frank with me have you yourself no notion where she is not the faintest miss maud is hot-headed impetuous discontented i am afraid she is not without cause for discontent she has threatened over and over again that she would vanish and at last she has been as good as her word she is not so blameworthy as may appear but if the countess discovers what she has done explanation will be useless she'll be hung first and tried afterwards my husband assures me he is on her track that she'll be found to-night if she is i promise you she'll be brought back at once and in the morning you'll be free and in the meantime i am to carry on the imposture to continue to act as her double in face of the discovery which has already occurred you need fear nothing rest assured it will be easy enough you needn't dine with the family dine with the family madeline shuddered not for a million pounds you need not you can dine in your own room any excuse will serve miss maud often does 
i only want to have you on the premises in case of accident in case of accident thank you mrs singleton it is a pleasant prospect which you offer me but my dear consider the good that you will do you will save this much wronged child for she has been sorely wronged from eternal wreckage from complete destruction for i tremble to think of what would happen to her if the countess cast her off think of the consequences which may ensue mrs singleton's eloquence was curtailed by a knocking at the door a maid appeared if you please mrs singleton the countess wishes to speak to you the maid retreated the old lady looked imploringly at madeline it is nothing she often sends for me promise me that you will wait here till i return madeline's tone as she replied was a trifle grim i promise you that but you must clearly understand that i promise you no more left alone madeline as she seated herself in a luxurious easy chair was conscious of curiously mingled feelings it was odd how already a sensation had come over her that she was and always would be at home in just such a place as this for which the four corners of the world had been ransacked to make of it a house beautiful never so far as she was aware had she lived in any but the very humblest dwellings yet since her introduction to this strange palace she felt as if she had never resided anywhere else nor had she ever come into corporeal contact with men and women of birth and breeding her lines had fallen in other places yet just now in the music-room whatever else she had been conscious of she had been unconscious of the fact that any mental or even social inequality existed or could exist between herself and her companions it was very odd the atmosphere of the place was getting into her veins she was aware of a reluctance to leave it it was as though she had come into her own at last honour seemed to point one way inclination and just the other she ought not to stay mrs singleton's pleadings were but sophistries and yet after all what harm would ensue if she lingered in this lotus land a single night what she did wonder at was what could have caused miss dorincourt to behave in the eccentric fashion she seemed to have done surely she could not have properly esteemed the good the gods had given her or she would not have flown so rashly to the ills she knew not of surely it must have needed a great deal of goading to have induced a beautiful girl be she as high-spirited and as wayward as you please to have run away from such a home as this as she mused the door behind her was suddenly opened she turned expecting to find that mrs singleton was back again but instead something was thrown into the room by an invisible hand and the door closed as quickly as it had been opened this something was thrown so carelessly or so maliciously that it actually struck madeline on the cheek afterwards rolling down her lap on to the floor so smartly too had it been flung that the impact stung her not a little she started from her seat putting her hand up to her cheek with a cry of pain who threw that she cried forgetting for a moment that she was there alone running to the door opening it she looked out in search of the delinquent not a creature was in sight whoever had thrown the thing had had reasons of his or her own for concealing his or her identity she returned into the room 
rubbing her cheek you're a coward she told herself whoever you are she looked about on the floor for what as the bright spot upon her cheek was already proclaiming had been used as a missile it was easily found she picked it up it proved to be a sheet of paper which had been folded and refolded until it formed a wedge on one of the sides was written in great sprawling letters as if with a soft quill pen two words and two words only for you madeline turned the paper over and over eyeing the inscription more and more intently for you i wonder if that is meant for me it looks as though it were no name as though the writer did not know my name only that mysterious inscription i am almost disposed to wager that i could not only point out the hand which wrote it but the hand which threw it too mr reginald fanshawe i fancy has paid me part of the debt which possibly he was under the impression that he owed me but she was wrong it was impossible to associate that luridly worded epistle with the phlegmatic reginald fanshawe without any sort of preamble it plunged at once in the middle of affairs so you would not have my flower well so let it be you would not have my lily the badge of your innocence of the whiteness of my love for you that i threw down at your feet it is enough he picked it up this reginald fanshawe because you paid to it no heed no you made a mock of it and he this earl of stains he struck it to the ground it is an end you have slighted me not alone my flower not for the first time you have used me as a mat beneath your feet it suffices you think you can throw me from you like an old glove you are wrong i love you unfortunate that i am you so fair so false but because i love you i do not suffer myself to be betrayed and to say nothing no i am not of that kind we will live together yes together or together we will die you understand that is my last word read it clearly make no jest of it it comes from him whose happiness you have destroyed whose heart you have broken you who have no heart paolo bianchi the signature at the bottom ran right across the page it was a triumph of flourishes curiously in keeping with the inflated language which it so bombastically endorsed madeline smiled as she noted it with laughter in her eyes and on her lips she perused the singular letter a second time it occurs to me that there is some slight confusion here this letter is for me and yet it's not for me paolo bianchi with what magnificence he signs his name i fancy i see him doing it i take it he is the gentleman who played the organ and played it like an angel too it would be as well if there was a little more of the angelic quality in his letters i thought that lily of the valley which fluttered over the gallery's edge was directed to my address and it appears that it was hence all these well hardly tears but mr bianchi you have shared in the common error in supposing me to be miss dorincourt there appears to have been passages between you and her which well perhaps mrs singleton does her less than justice in describing her as hot-headed she seems to have been manipulating a variety of strings which an uninterested novice would only be too apt to make a tangle of mr bianchi in particular judging from his letter and the way in which he delivered it strikes me as being the sort of gentleman 
one would like to have as little to do with as one conveniently could uncommonly difficult to get on with as a friend and still more difficult to get on with as an enemy but no doubt in these matters there are differences of taste and miss dorincourt may have her own why whatever's that the room in common as it seemed with the rest of the house was at no time too well lighted the windows were old-fashioned small at an inconvenient height from the floor and the wall in which they were set was so thick that it seemed to cast a perpetual shadow the day was well advanced the sky overcast and cloudy the prevailing tints of purple and gold in which the apartment was upholstered did not especially at such an hour increase the sense of brightness it was between the lights when day is giving place to night the room was in obscurity madeline turning suddenly with the letter in her hand saw in front of her what she supposed at first to be her own reflection imagining that the curtain had been drawn and the mirror exposed a moment's inspection however showed her that she was mistaken what she was looking at was certainly no mirror what then she asked herself with a catching of her breath was it she was standing under one of the windows so that she might have as much light as possible to enable her to read paolo bianchi's letter at the opposite end of the room but on the same side of it as herself was a figure the figure of a woman she was standing close to the wall which shadowed her so that in the half-light her outlines were blurred and lost for some instants madeline was not certain that she was not looking at a shadow or that she was not the victim of some optical delusion how did she know that at the other end of the room there was not some peculiar arrangement of mirrors and that she had not placed herself in a position which brought the peculiarity into play the figure was so still so motionless and how could the woman have got where she was how could she have come into the room without madeline's knowledge the door was between them if it had been opened if any one had entered she must have been aware of it but there had not been a sound she could have sworn that no one had entered it was another trick with a mirror impressed by this conviction she moved a step or two forward waving her arms as she went expecting the figure to move in sympathy as figures in mirrors do nothing of the kind this one in front of her remained stock still was it a woman then why was she so still whence had she come and how what was she doing there what did she want or what was it her experience of the day had been of the most unusual kind of a sort to upset the equilibrium of the most matter-of-fact young woman and madeline was scarcely that hers was hardly the prosaic fibre imagination with her was strong the events of the last few hours had given it full scope at that moment it took wing was she in presence of the adventure of the day was all that had gone before to be capped with a fitting climax was this she was looking on a creature of flesh and blood or a thing of air she told herself she was a fool but in spite of it there was a shaking at her knees she had to put constraint on herself to enable herself to speak and when she did the voice which issued from her lips hardly seemed to her to be her own who are you tell me what do you want here none spoke 
there was a silence which silence reacted on madeline's overstrung nerves as if it had been some dreadful thing she shivered as with cold this made her angry speak to me she cried do you hear speak to me tell me who you are and what it is that you want here if you don't i'll call for help still no reply from the figure standing in the shadow of the wall very good then i'll call for help madeline moved towards the door with the intention of putting her not overvaliant threat into immediate execution her action seemed to spur the figure in the shadow to decision she moved also and to more purpose than madeline to a purpose indeed which was wholly unexpected stepping to one side she touched what was probably a button in the wall of whose presence madeline had been unconscious and in a moment the room was flooded with the electric light the effect was startling madeline turned to look at the woman who had produced it and as she did so she gave a cry of inarticulate amazement staggering back she stared at her thunderstruck this woman in front of her was her duplicate her double her very self so like her that as in that case of the immortal twins it would have been impossible for an outsider to have told t'other from which in face form and figure she reproduced her perfectly even to the dimple in the chin and the colouring of the cheeks and eyes to the glorious mass of red-gold hair only the dress was different the stranger was clad in a flowing tea-gown of soft yielding dead gold silk covered with shining sequins and other barbaric ornaments which gleamed and glittered as she moved never madeline told herself had she beheld a being of such resplendent loveliness wholly oblivious of the vision she had beheld in the mirror the stranger spoke even her voice it seemed to madeline was an echo of her own this is rather funny to be asked who i am and what i'm doing here is an unusual experience scarcely were the words out of her lips than in her turn the stranger was struck by the resemblance which existed between them and plainly was to the full as much amazed by it as madeline had been why are you me or am i you either you're my twin sister or my twin soul or else you are my ghost or else you are my affinity my other self which exists for all of us in this world or in some other of whom gerda speaks may i touch you touch me of course you may the stranger advanced and with perfect gravity touched her with the finger-tip on either cheek and felt the substance of her arms you are solid you're not a delusion or a thing of air but this surpasses anything do you know you're my height to a hair my figure to a fraction of a shade do you know that you've my head and face and mouth and lips and chin and teeth and cheeks and nose and eyes and hair i do seem like you like me you're me we're each other why you even have my voice we speak in the same key it's a freak of nature it does seem strange strange it's marvellous a modern miracle do you know that narcissus like it's been to me a lifelong sorrow that the world did not contain such another lovely creature as myself whom i might kiss and fall in love with now all my cause for sorrow's gone that is if i may kiss you may i for answer madeline held up her lips the stranger kissed her as for loving you i'll love you if i may or mayn't my dear my dear i've been the loneliest creature in all this wide wide world and now i'll never be alone again and pray my other self 
what may chance to be your name madeline orme madeline orme it's a pretty name and well becomes you though no name could be lovely enough for you madeline orme i've been looking for you morn noon and night since the hour that i was born and now that i have found you i'll never let you go never never again the stranger folded her to her breast and queerly enough madeline felt as if she was in her proper place and who are you she inquired in a whisper the stranger laughed softly beneath her breath i i'm maud dorincourt chapter four